I don't know if you remember, like, if you've burned out all yeah, memories of the shadow, but, like, Tim Curry goes full-on batshit at the end of that film. Like, literally, spittle flying off of his mouth. Like, it's like something out of some, like, weird Lovecraftian adventure. That's good. Yeah. I just remember being so uncomfortable when, because the shadow's facial features are different than Alec Baldwin's. Like, yes, when he takes the scarf off and his nose grows. No, he's, he's like Pinocchio. It's, it's really awful. And, it, oh. and, it's, and it's distressing, too, because it's like, you know pre-CGI, so it's all, like, waxy. Yes. You know? <laughs> Someone's got those noses somewhere. <laughs> yes. Like in, a, in an air-conditioned vault. And I assume they're doing the full-on, like, Tom Ripley, and they're wearing Alec Baldwin's nose. <laughs> the shadow knows. The shadow knows how damn sexy he is. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Harmonics Podcast. We're back. Your old friend Eric Pope, your old enemy uh, Aaron Trice. Oh, come on! Yeah, and we've got a special guest today, Mr. Ken Strickland. Do I get to be your nemesis too? Yes. Probably by the end of this, you'll be my nemesis. All right. I look forward Aaron's to ally. a Aaron long bridges. career of opposition, <laughs> defining myself by your failures. Ken is our lead designer on Chroma. Hooray! Welcome, Ken. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I I'm... just pulled you out of a five-hour meeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All about Chroma. I'm, I'm under I don't know if I saved you or... And over-caffeinated, so I'm feeling a little, a little punchy <laughs> How here. How do we have a five-hour meeting today? I thought everyone was at GDC. Uh, that's the only time you get to have five-hour meetings. Uh, <laughs> everybody who's actually doing legitimate work is somewhere else. They gave Ken an option, like... Go to GDC, or you can have all day long meetings. Oh man! I just I just left it the uh, the chance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how are you feeling about Chroma so far? We are three weeks yeah. into our alpha. Sure, three weeks. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Got to be. I wanted to get into that a little bit with you as a, as a designer. Is it a little nerve-wracking to do an alpha versus put out a finished product? Yes, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's like those dreams where you're uh, you're taking a test naked oh. and everybody's watching, yep. except that there's this rolling commentary where people <laughs> are just like twittering. By the way, Ken's naked. <laughs> Somebody should tell him, right? Right. Uh, no, but at the same time, it's like super exciting too because like you get this really raw, unfettered access to like people's ideas and their responses. Yep. And that's actually super great because usually, like, you have to pay for that, right? You uh, you get into focus test chambers that are, like, super artificial and you're, you're trying all of these weird psychological techniques to get, like, people's honest reactions. Right. And uh, in an alpha, you get, you, like, that's as open as this. You get to just skip that part, right? Yeah. In fact, last week, Aaron posted a thread that said, specifically give me only negative feedback on this one thing. Yeah, and which... You'd think is like, you know, uh, would be counterproductive, but it's not, right? That's actually right. the most valuable stuff. Yep. So in some ways, it's just you have to adjust your not expectations, but you know, like you're you are you. The only reason you put an alpha out like this is to find all of the terrible stuff ahead of time, and so you can like start, you know, getting rid of the gap between where chroma. Where Chroma is in people's minds and what we've got on the table right now. Mm-hmm. And the positive feedback has to help, too. Oh, yeah. Because like, in that regard, it's like, oh, Ken's naked, but it's all right. <laughs> That's right. 
I didn't, I didn't I think it would work. Yes. <laughs> he glows like a second sun. Yeah. Um, it's, yes. And in fact, like, it's funny because I did all this, like, psychological prepping to get myself ready for yep. it. You know, I'd, like, read, like, neo-gaff threads and just, like, prepare <laughs> just myself for the worst. Skin, right? Yeah. Build up some emotional calluses. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so the positive feedback has been fantastic, and it's like it's a nice emotional uh, bucket or salve, you know, yeah. for like when you need to wade into like the the really rough stuff. Yeah, most right. definitely. Yeah, um, but yeah, like it's I will say it's it's been really pleasing to see what people have to say, especially when they're like really thrilled about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah doing an alpha is new for us too, and I've been really impressed with how engaged that uh, our forum community is. Mm-hmm. I won't say it's like thousands of people that are engaged, but there's a small core there that are like in every single thread, putting their input in, and then that, that's just sort of like driving this ongoing conversation that's going. Well, and those people are gold. They're, they're the reason we're doing it. Yeah, right? exactly. The um, and the thing about alphas, right, is that like you should be expecting that that phenomenon, right, where it's like a small committed core, because you know it, uh, you're going to get most people coming in. Trying it out, liking the idea, and then bouncing off the uh, particulars, right? Like, oh, it doesn't have, you know, this feedback element or this weapon or this thing that's in my head. Yeah. Uh, which is totally fine and kind of expected behavior. Yeah. You're just looking for the set of people that are so engaged with the idea that they're willing to kind of, like, walk past the rest of that. Uh, and they, they, those people exist, and they're on our forums, and yes, they're great. thankfully. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I've been most impressed uh, with has been that it's not only people who are super engaged, but mm-hmm. also people who are super helpful. Um, because we've <laughs> seen from, like, like historically on the forums, like, you can get people who are super engaged, mm-hmm. but also, like, really hostile or are <laughs> maybe not that graceful in how they present their feedback. Uh, so for people to be so willing to spend that much time, one, playing the game, and then two, discussing the game, but then also reporting that people have broken their NDAs or are leaking <laughs> videos on YouTube. Every time someone leaks a video, at least three different people from the forums send me a PM or tweet me or however else they can message me. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, like they, they really have gone above and beyond what I would expect, even from the most uh, engaged people uh, in, a, in an alpha community. Yeah. Speaking of NDA breakers, uh, you might appreciate this. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's whatever, but it's kind of funny. Somebody bought... On eBay, an alpha access key for 30 American dollars. All right. They paid $30 to access our alpha. That we were giving away for free. Giving away for free. Giving away for free. That person may or may not already be on our list. Their spam filter may or may not have already gotten the email with the key and lost it. And they paid 30 bucks. Wow. So that's a validation of the proof of concept. Yep. Yeah. It means we can start that monetizing this. Yeah. A customer right what, there. What are we waiting for? Let's just make this our business model. How about, go. I know that a lot of people like, we've talked about betas yep. or we've looked at like early access mm-hmm. or Kickstarter. Yep. I'm going to say eBay is the way to fund games moving forward. That could be the next big thing. We just put everything up for auction. The electronic pay, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man, that used to be your job, right, at the comic book store? Yeah, it used to be. You were Dr. eBay. Yeah. I mean, still pretty You're much. Still, I dabble. Would you bit. say half of your annual income comes from eBay sales? No, I would I would not say selling? that in case anyone from the IRS is <laughs> <Wow>. listening. <laughs> but I, Theoretically speaking. I, I would say at least 10%. How, how many items are you selling? No, I'm curious. Like, is it is it like, are you auctioning off hours? He's with Dr. Eric eBay. I, well, I used to work for a comic book store where that was like 60 hours a week. 
just oh. absolutely anything that they had in the store. Um, and uh, and I still do a lot of that for myself. Like I'll buy a lot of comics, like 10 books, but I only need two of them. Mm-hmm. And then I've got eight extras that I'll trade or I'll flip. And uh, yeah, I mean, mostly like comics, toys, uh, like any vintage kind of comic books, sci-fi paraphernalia, mm-hmm. uh, some records, some original comic art. You do a lot of records. Or I guess you buy more records. I buy more records than I sell, which is <laughs> which is why I need to have a second eBay job. Just How many to items keep the do you item say going? that you sell a month? Um, I, I would say like my yearly average. Like I'm probably down to like 25 items a month now. Um, but it's That's it's still a ton. It's feast or famine. Like I will put like I have 50 things up right now, and then next month, if all goes well, I won't list anything. I believe I created my eBay account in I want to say 1999. Mm-hmm. I think I've sold a total of two items okay. in 15 years. Okay. So that's, and, and I'm still stressed out about those sales. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get money from a person. Yeah. You got to put things in a box. And then you, you got to be really box. polite over email. Yeah, you got to yeah. say plus, 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 and you get the stars. But I think the thing that appeals to me, I'm going to tie again. it back here, look at this, mm-hmm. is, is how in a microcosm it is essentially community management. Because it is that one-to-one interaction with a customer, but you have to kind of give them that hand-holding. Like, you have to give them the tracking number, and you have to reassure them that everything's going to be okay, and then you have to give them positive feedback. <laughs> so it is like, on a mac, uh, like a micro level, it is essentially what we are doing on the forums wow. with people like... We're listening to your concerns. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it next time. Here's a survey. Tell us how we did. Please Man. give us feedback. Wow. That's heavy. Right? That is heavy. So back to Chromas. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken, if, if give us a little uh, peek behind your curtain here. Of all the issues that have arisen during uh, uh, the alpha, how many were ones that you already knew about and or expected? Uh, about 80%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which That's is pretty good. Yeah. But again, that we kind of knew that walking in, right? Yeah. Like we knew that we weren't going to have all the crazy finished polished effects and all the HUD elements working the way that we wanted to. And, you know, we, we know that there's some systems that we want to redesign. Uh, but that's okay. Like we can filter through that and we were looking for that 20% that, uh, that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So things, uh, probably like the, the biggest gain for me, at least in the short term has been like, which things people like need no explanation about, they just kind of like intuitively get, mm-hmm. and which things they just like stumble over right. immediately, right? And, it, and it's not an exact mirror of like what happens on the dev team, right? You know, like the the devs stumble over certain things, and but you know get most of it pretty much because they've been playing for the last you know uh, six months. Yep. Uh, and yeah, it's just really interesting to see what what matches people's intuitive mental models. That's true too. And then on our side, we have to try to kind of place those people in a box like they're saying they're giving us this feedback where are they coming from like are these people that identify as like hardcore hardcore shooter fans or more music players or Mm -hmm. do they dabble in everything and that's kind of like the interesting sociological detective work we yeah well it's interesting the weighting of that feedback is really interesting because there is a lot of stuff that like you said like 80 percent that we expected to hear Mm -hmm. But it's knowing like how egregious an offense it actually is. Like I know that I went in expecting that no one would be able to find the beat, and that that was going to be like my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. And then getting into the forums and finding like, oh, it's maybe not as bad as I thought it was, or maybe finding out that. 
people thought that different things were more stressful or that, that different things were less stressful. The so number it's kind of, of like organizing those in your head. Yeah. Though the number of people that like just got on and started using the engineer pistols immediately and were like right. beat yeah. matching while shooting at the same time yeah. blew my mind. No yeah. tutorials. Like yeah, they were just like right just in. leapt right in and figured it out and that's insane because yeah. I couldn't do that, <laughs> right? right? Uh, but to me it's also about like weighting them into bins. Like you need to know where they are but it, it's telling me that we're we're in kind of the hybridized place we wanted to be. Yep. You know, it was like, hey, we're getting people from the shooter end and from the music lover end. And it's almost implying like, oh man, do we need like two different tutorial experiences, two That's different roads That's into it? That's where it's going to be crazy as a designer because a lot of that feedback actually contradicts with each other depending on who the person is that's giving it. Like, some people love this class, and they like the, the way they put it is like, "Oh, everyone loves this class because it's the best class." And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people that love a different class. So like, yeah. one might be the engineer, one might be the tank. Well, and on some level, that's satisfying, right? Because yeah. it means that you know, I, the a, thing I was terrified of is range. that people would come in and go, "Oh, everyone agrees this is the best class, so everybody <laughs> just plays this." Right. And it's you know, Sniper Tron two thousand. Um, I would, I would play that game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully, like the opinion's super divided about what the best class is right yep. or what the best experience is and that's what we're looking for so i'm actually wondering if it's we might end up rebundling our tutorials as kind of like class specific experiences right it's like hey man you enjoy shooters well start with the assault class and we'll we'll slowly work you over to the crazier and crazier stuff or you know vice mm-hmm. versa cool yeah that's awesome so i wanted to get into a little of your backstory i have a backstory <laughs> you have a backstory um <clears throat> you've been in this here industry for a while now i have Give us a taste of where you've worked and what you've worked on. Oh, man. Okay. Starting at the beginning. A you graduated. Like Ken Strickland. <laughs> you're Ken Strickland. You're born where? I am born in upstate New York. Upstate New York. You go to school, you grow up, and then you go to college where? Uh, Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon University. In, in Pittsburgh. Is, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Which... I, yeah, that is a great part of the country, huh? It, it, I actually... <laughs> you, you Wait a second. No, like, it, it actually is. Like I, And maybe it's because my expectations were... Uh, low for the for the city, like the, not the <laughs> university. The, the uh, you know, because I was like, oh, I'm going to Carnegie Mellon. I can't wait. And everybody's like, oh man, good school. It's in Pittsburgh, though. Mm. <laughs> you know, I hope you like hoagies and disappointment. And it turns out Do they call like, them hoagies there. Uh, I feel like they would call them like hero or grinders. They, they, or they call it something else. Uh, in a weird kind of, it, there is a Pittsburgh accent. Yes, and there I, is. And this is something like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, like. They have this accent that I love. I think it's hilarious, and you don't see it enough. You don't, and I and I couldn't even name what the particulars are. I would just call it like unfettered aggression. Like <laughs> the, but it's but you know everybody kind of set me up thinking that I was going to walk into this like decaying steel town. It'd yeah. be something out of like one of those sad Bruce Springsteen stories, yep. and you know it would just be like you know, homeless vets and you know just like angry, angry steel workers. <laughs> and it wasn't like there's actually like you know, a ton of colleges there and like they kind of like had shifted into a bunch of different industries. So like at least the place, the, the safe little bubble, right. That was like campus and the surrounding neighborhoods, uh, was actually like incredibly pleasant. And, uh, I got to just do a whole bunch of like city exploration. Um, yeah. And so from there was the next step, the game industry, or was there an interim, like, did you have some sort of a nine-to-five job and then <laughs> uh, start looking into the steel industry? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you're, you're it looks melting ore. Uh, no, like, I think the last non-game industry job I had was, oh, so, like, 
in undergrad, yeah. you know, like, so uh, I was doing computer science and creative writing, and you can only get summer jobs using one of those right. skills, right? <laughs> so you, um, I, it was such a weird, because this was right before, like, the first, like, big tech bubble burst. So it was, it was actually really creepy. It was, like, one step away from, like, white vans circling the campus and, like, tech <laughs> recruiters with, like, a big <clears throat> bag of donuts yeah. saying just, like, Climb on in. I, I went to college at a tech school at Worcester Polytech, and like that was it was during that boom, and like people that were a year ahead of me had all these crazy stories. Like I did an internship last summer, and I made twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, like, they were just throwing money around, and that's basically what happened. So like I got this weird preview, right? Where so like I I did a summer um, working in New Jersey of all places for a startup that. Uh, was His com- life is a Bruce Springsteen yeah, song. Yeah, kind I like of is. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Uh, it was a competitor that eventually just got absolutely gutted by Akamai, uh, uh, who were like kind of the yep. internet backbone guys. But yeah, it was a summer we were pay- and we were again like twenty year olds being paid absurd <laughs> amounts of money to write uh, all sorts of like uh, diagnostic code for you know this kind of like internet uh, banking and uh, kind of serialization service and. It was surreal. It was pretty great. Uh-huh. And then the next year, just like everything exploded. Right. Um, and plus, it was one of those things where I, I, I got this safe little taste of what being a programmer for life could be outside the games industry, which hmm. is to say lots of hours and not a whole lot of creative fulfillment. Yep. Uh, so it made me kind of take a hard bank and just kind of admit to myself that I was going to need something creatively fulfilling or I was going to be a sad little man for many years of my life. Good choice. Yeah. So I ended up uh, turning down some jobs and going to grad school. Uh-huh. And uh, it was with the uh, Carnegie Mellon's uh, Entertainment Technology Center, uh, which was in its, like, second year at that <laughs> point. So they had no idea what was happening. Uh-huh. No, actually, like, the the guys that were running it was, like, Randy Pausch and Don Marinelli. Um had this like really good vision of what they wanted, but like at the at the ground level, it was like we we literally had like a this weird net, rat's nest of cables so that we could like do like ad hoc meeting rooms and you know just like we could always have our computers nearby. This is I guess before desktop replacement laptops were a thing, <laughs> right? So it was it was like something out of like a eighties dystopian, uh, you know, uh, future film. Uh-huh. You know, everybody's wearing little bits of cardboard and has hoses <laughs> kind of slung over their Sounds shoulders. Amazing. It was actually a lot of fun. Like, those were <laughs> arguably two of the best years of my life because um, I got to meet this incredible cross-section of people, many of whom are still friends today, and they're seated throughout the games industry. So this got you on track with games. Like, is this what everyone there did was games? Uh, no? Not exactly. Like, because... Here's the thing. The there's a lot of industries that could use this kind of like tech and writing uh alignment mm-hmm. or creative alignment, I guess. But video games make a lot of money, and that <laughs> money tends to distort everything. Right. So yeah. in the first years of the program it was like video games and roller coasters and theater and experimental art projects and children's hospital stuff. You know, and so like it was this huge uh, array of different things you could try. So really, like, maybe a third or a quarter of what I worked on was actually, like, video game, video game right. stuff. Huh. And the rest was just finding ways to get uh, technology to creatively engage with people, which I really appreciated, right? 
That's awesome. Uh, because uh, a lot of other programs that you've seen kind of spring up since uh, have really been kind of distorted by that. You don't really right. get like a, uh, I hate to say like a liberal arts background, but it, that's exactly what it is. Like right. the, the critical thinking outside of just like a particular set of programs, uh, which is arguably the most important thing you need in video games. I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and I say that as somebody who spent a long time in the the tech end of things, right? Like you were, were you creative writing? English? Confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like you, at some point, your job stops being the actual making of bits and bytes and starts being trying to analyze things on a on a creative and critical level, and you kind of need to be able to do that. Uh, anyway, so that was that was Pittsburgh. It was sure. like six years of my life. And uh, then I I did like a quick internship at EA, and then I got snapped up by Insomniac for a few years. So did you know this? You I did not. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, so oh. I, I worked on like Ratchet two, three, uh, four slash Deadlocked, um, and then the first Resistance, and uh, then spun from there to high impact games and worked on the uh, the PSP Ratchet because I could not get enough you know <laughs> like giant explosions uh-huh. in my life, and then like a whole bunch of like. Uh, cool, you know, because that was a smaller company that was trying to like pitch a bunch of stuff to publishers. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of time just like making really detailed design docs and prototypes for stuff that never happened. <laughs> you know, it was it was both really creatively engaging and also like the dream crusher factory, right? Where it's kind of like imagine those beautiful thing you can hold it in the palm of your hand and now crush it, crush the life out of it. Yes. And say you're sorry. And so in this period, were you already doing design or were you starting out as coding? I, so when I was in Insomniac, I started out uh, coding and then kind of over like the Ratchet 3 and Deadlocked era made the transition. I was doing both design and code pretty much throughout. Um, it was uh, this horrible – like the, I'm I'm actually embarrassed by this. Like there was some like horrible – debug uh, event system that I put together for Ratchet Deadlock that was like literally like worked by the the uh, alignment of like bounding spheres in Maya and it was the most hacked together thing I think it actually shipped. Wow. Um, but that that was totally like shoestring and by there. Anyway, so. They probably cursed your name for years. I'm sure they did. <laughs> no, like I, I can still, still call a few guys up and, tickets. <laughs> yeah. Let, let them know about it and they'll, they'll curse my name. Anyway, I... Uh, so after that, then I went to Irrational to go work on Infinite, and uh, did Bioshock that. Infinite guys. FYI. Oh, oh, are there oh, not yeah. Disney Infinity or uh, oh man, I forgot about that. Infinite yeah. Crisis or Infinite Crisis or uh, yeah. whatever the next Infinite game is. Yeah, and so I worked with an incredibly talented group of like systems designers there. Uh, and Any hesitations about moving to Boston? <laughs> uh, no, I like in retrospect. It was the perfect decision for me because I love this town. Like, love it, love it. Because, you know, um, both Insomniac and High Impact were in Los Angeles, right? Which is, you know, great in that year where you come out of school and you're like, I'm ready for the big city. Show me everything you got. And then it's three years later and you're in a car sitting in like a river of steel on the five. And just like looking to your right and your left and everybody has these like horrible sagging like, you know, uh, (laughs) jowls and just like... If there was if there was something about that highway that you could just bottle up and sell as sadness, like it, I don't even know how else to explain it. It was just like palpable misery. And making enemies all over the map. <laughs> I Pittsburgh, guess. New Jersey. Well, no, come, wait a second. Like I, I, I genuinely liked Pittsburgh. Yeah. Boston, I'm you're with you. all right though. Oh, yeah. Just this morning, I was saying to Aaron, like I don't know why people choose to live in LA. Yeah. Just... Well, because despite the traffic and the, the other kind of like 
weird urban spread that it's got going on. Like, if you know that city well, you can find amazing stuff. Like, uh, my wife and I kind of met and bonded over early film, right? Like, silent film and 20s, 30s, uh, you know, black and white pictures. And there's no place like L.A. for that stuff, right? Like, the Egyptian, the Arrow. Yeah, whenever I've traveled there for work, like I'll always just sort of like look at whatever the events are that night. Just Google like the latest events calendar, and just like if you want to be part of any sort of scene, yeah. no matter how niche it is, like mm-hmm. you can find it in LA, which I always thought was pretty cool. Like I like rockabilly music. There's not per se a rockabilly scene anywhere around here. <laughs> I think it's just you. It's just yeah. Jason Kendall. Like you and Jason <laughs> Kendall. Uh, well, in some ways, but you go to LA, yeah. it's like you can find an entire like vein of people that go out every night and like and, and that is their dress life up the, yeah, yeah it's their life drag yeah. racing yep and so like in some ways i'm actually a little surprised uh harmonics isn't out there because in terms of like if you want to go see a music show every night of your life until you die la is like one of the few places where you you're just guaranteed that can happen uh-huh. um yeah so like there were there were things to recommend it but like no no regrets about moving to boston uh because a, like, I got to work with some really incredible people. Yeah. And uh, B, just, like, the, the city is, I, I don't know how to, like, explorable. It, like, yes, I, I can, absolutely. I can just walk around and see, like, crazy stuff, and it's in the proximity of, all like, all these incredible colleges. So, yep. like, somebody is doing something that is probably going to show up in some sci-fi show, <laughs> you know, like, a year from now. Yep. Yeah, um, MIT, like, they're always doing these, just these... So I used to do a lot of improv in the city, and we would go and have our rehearsals at MIT because they're, they're the nearest place, and they have tons of buildings yeah. you can just walk into. <laughs> they don't have, you well, can just go and, like, take a classroom for a day. And, like, we would just stumble on these crazy, like, students pitching uh, their projects to the military and stuff. you just see this, like, crazy oh, uh, bulletproof vest or crazy <laughs> drone thing. Like, a laser right. that will destroy the moon. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually something I don't miss from... Uh, computer science education because like a lot of the grants for like stuff i worked on came from the dod right so there (laughs) i would get into these meetings where somebody would pitch like what was it like a way to generate alternative histories based on a political bias like like scary scary stuff like it's just kind of like wait somebody's getting paid for that we we want that is that something we want um so yeah, kind of, kind of glad to be out of that. Anyway, well, we didn't tell you that's what Chrome is going to be. It is. It is. As. It's just going to erase your life and remix it as something that makes you a better harmonics customer. More dubstep. Oh god, it's basically your life, but with more. But dubstep. with more dubstep. This is the dubstep birth of your first child with dubstep. Uh, no drop. When that baby drops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, there is one good story about moving to Boston. Um, so. I got the offer from Irrational, super excited were by it. Were they 2K it. Boston at the time? They, or? they were, but, yeah. like, who cares? That whole thing. Uh, that got sorted out in quick order. But the um, – my wife had just started graduate school in L.A., and this had been something that, like, you know, we'd been kind of, like, planning around and uh, for, like, you know, a year or two. So, like, literally her first semester, I come home, and I'm like, so – Higher education. How do you feel about it? You know, and it was, uh, you know, luckily it all worked out. Now she's, you know, here in Boston studying at an even better school. But, nice. you know, it was just like this kind of, yeah, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, hey, how do you feel about dropping everything and trying something that's a total risk? Right. Uh, just such a games industry thing. Like, 
We're on two coasts. You're lucky if you can find anything in between, and like you, you do have to be flexible. Yeah. And, and it, in in some ways, that's you know, it's kind of terrible, right? Because everybody, if this industry is going to have any longevity, you need to be able to have people with families right. actually like live and work in it, and not move every two years. <laughs> but I will say that like you do need some amount of like risk taking, and yeah, for sure, just. Yeah, like this is a creative industry. Like you, you have to be willing to, at least you have to want something uh, beyond just like churning out the next iteration of whatever franchise you happen to be on. And despite you mentioning games make money, don't join the industry expecting to make money. Oh no, I mean if you have <laughs> well, if the you games have, make money. A few, a few yes. of the top games make a lot of money. It, it is absolutely a winner take all sort of yeah. uh, you know industry. If you're doing it for anything other than love of the right. craft, then get out. You will yeah. make so much more money elsewhere. Regular software company. Yeah, you. But web developer. But again, if you that. if you have that debilitating disease called like needing to make creative stuff, you will be miserable anywhere else. <laughs> That's so. true. Uh, so you, what was your title at Irrational or on uh, Bioshock? Were you? Oh, uh, principal systems designer. Cool. Uh, but I I left them to join. You uh, ah. wonderful folk about like I think <laughs> nine months before Infinite Ship, something like that. Right. Uh, and uh, basically, I, I I blame Dean Tate. Yeah, that's. I blame that's Dean Tate for a lot of things. I, I know <laughs> he's a really you know just great fall guy. Patsy, I think Patsy's the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's my second most hated Australian. <laughs> just kidding. I love Dean. I, <laughs> and Dan Teasdale. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was waiting for like the the back half of that joke. Yeah. Uh, no, they are constantly getting confused for each other. They're both big, tall Australian game designers. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we brought you here on a, a project that shall go unnamed. Dun, dun, from dun. Harmonics Vaults. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, like, the, that's the thing about creative <laughs> that work, right? That is the right? thing about yeah. this industry, You yeah. make a lot of stuff that never sees the light of day, and that's okay. That is okay. Yeah. And now you're doing Chroma. I am doing Chroma. <sighs> yeah. Were you intimidated by Chroma as a project? Or do you, like... Oh, yeah. Salivated these sort of design challenges. Well, both. I mean, like, if you're not a little scared, then what are you doing, right? Like, if you're trying to create something new, it should be something that you're not 100% sure you can pull off. Uh, otherwise, somebody's going to do it, but with better and with a 600-person team, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, because, yeah. like, there are certain games that work because they the company has huge economies of scale, right? 600 programmers or artists just cranking away on content. Or you're doing something that's risky that only you or your company can do better than anyone else. Part of me, because I have not worked at one of those gigantic, like an Ubisoft or whatever, like how mm-hmm. many people they say worked on Assassin's Creed? Like a thousand? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Part of me, just as a morbid curiosity, I would love to like spend some time in that development cycle just to see how it works practically. Because how do you communicate design decisions to like a thousand people and like yeah. you're working on this and you're working on that's or like insane. four different studios and four different parts of the world that like uh, copy you... me on one of those email threads just to see <laughs> yeah like, i mean how much misunderstanding there is just to give you the tldr version like you waste a lot of work i like, imagine yeah uh, money yeah but like they they live or die with uh you know some degree of like top-down communication and you just have to be comfortable like losing a lot of your efficiency right yeah that's got to be quite a power trip, too, to be, like, one of those project leads. <laughs> a project that size. Getting 200 people to do. Jeez. Yeah. Got to be terrifying. It's got to be terrifying. Got to be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you played Assassin's Creed 4, but 
you play as a game developer. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I was yeah. terrified. A lot of inside baseball <laughs> yeah. in there. A lot of inside baseball. Pretty cool building. I'd work there. Yeah. It's all right. Why are, it does, you know, given how, like, navel-gazing we are as an industry, I'm waiting for more games that are, like, games about making games. Yeah. Like, I've got the, what's that little, like, indie Stanley game Parable? studio? Oh. Well, not not that. Like, the, like, some weird sim where it was, like, you're running a game development. Oh, game, game dev, dev story. story. That's it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That was but great. I, but yeah, there's just not not nearly enough. It's a fascinating thing that we do. <laughs> it's a really weird business. Like, it is. Like we said, a lot of people, there are a few people at the top, a few games at the top make a ton of money, and the rest is everyone just sort of figuring out like that balance of like, maybe I'm not exactly a businessman, but I'm creative and sort of running yeah. a game studio and like will happen upon something that's sort of successful, so I see, keep going. Mm-hmm. It's just such a weird industry. Well, and it is very much a business, it which is. I think a lot of people kind of gloss over. Like, I'm sure when you were in <laughs> QA, everyone was like, oh, my God, you must get to play video oh, yes, games exactly. all day long. Uh, yep. That's great. <laughs> yes. um, my, and I actually, I talked to someone this morning uh, who asked me what I did, and I never tell someone that I'm a community manager because no one knows what that yep. means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the short answer is like, oh, I, I do PR. That's what I said. And say. this is the first time that someone's ever said, oh, what's, uh, what's PR? I don't, I don't know what that <laughs> is. And then I had to try to explain PR to someone, and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, why would I even bother telling <laughs> you what those letters mean? Giving them job description is not yours, yeah. Well, and it's also a job description with like six or seven different hats, right? Yeah. Like the, the problem is like, oh, so what do you do? Do you, do you make the maps or do you make the art? I'm like, well, yeah. no, yes. Yeah. That and all these That's other things. My Kenny, he makes games. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. my solution was I just told her I did Twitter, and she goes, "Oh, okay, yeah, no, I get <laughs> professionally. I get that. I'm a professional tw- Twitterer. A twi- yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would the, I would love to be a fly on the wall for like those those awkward conversations that our parents have, you know, where they're trying to explain what their kids do. <laughs> like, I'm willing to bet that like half of them resort to, "Oh, he's a banker. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he makes good money in plastics." <laughs> Yeah. Our son Aaron is dead, <laughs> we and we no couldn't be more proud. Cherish his memory. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, I was hoping for a little more. Like Ken is kind of famous during meetings with him Uh-oh. for just dropping these turns of phrase. I've got to start writing them down because they're amazing. Oh. You referred to something the other day as like a, being like a monkey's paw, one of the projects you'd worked on. <laughs> yeah. I disavow all knowledge about this. Wow. Uh, just, just those sorts of things I'd hoped would leak out of it. You're, you're being, you're more on, on point. I'm sorry. Do you, I, do you have any good designer jargon that you could share with us? Like any, uh, uh orthogonal is a word you use a lot. I, I do, but that, that, that's, that's the, the word I use when I'm uh, starting to run out of ideas. <laughs> uh, no, the the problem, right, is that like I I love dropping those turns of phrase when I'm describing stuff that's gone terribly, terribly wrong, <laughs> uh, and expressing anger and frustration. Not none of which I'm feeling in this room. I mean, wow. like you promised me. We have a pretty nice setting. An opposition. We're, we're, we're in a little nook. It's dimly lit. With too. A nice it dim is. Uh, lamp. I like it. I, I mean, feel this could be a scene. Like th- this lamp could be uh, straight out of Bioshock, actually. It is like, kind of I a soft see, glow. Like, put a drippy wall in behind it. Drippy That's my... <laughs> Add more drippy wall. <laughs> yeah, if I were a level designer in Bioshock, all drippy walls. All yes. drippies all the time. Ken Levine coming over. Turn the drippiness on that wall up 25%. Yeah, I'm sure it was one of their design principles. It's like, drippy walls, number two story, question mark. You know what's yeah. funny, though? So I... I uh, it's not funny, but... Uh, 
to hedge this bet right now. No, go for uh, it. So, obviously grew up playing video games a ton. Uh-huh. Went to college. I didn't play all four years. I didn't touch video games. I don't know why. What? Were you sick? Didn't. I don't know. It was weird. Like I, I just... did a lot of PC gaming in college. Well, well I like my, Aliens and Predator? My freshman year, yes. All right. After that, I, I pretty much... I don't know why. I didn't, there was nothing like... Called shenanigans on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I played Alien vs. Predator a lot in the dorm freshman year. <laughs> it was a great game. Um, but you know, I wasn't in the day-to-day thick of it. And, I, and that was sort of like the PS2 first Xbox era also. Like, So I avoided that whole console generation. <clears throat> and I was working at some non-gaming job. And then... Um, Got my Xbox 360, started getting back into it. And it was Bioshock, the original Bioshock, that really, like, wet my beak, so yep. to say. Uh, it really got me back into the games as, like, a thing that I didn't want to just do, like, once every couple of months. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to, like, spend the 20-plus hours to get through this game. And, like, and it was that moment of, like, right at the beginning, you're walking through uh, Rapture and, like, water falls on your face or you're like you have to walk through some water and like the screen gets watery i was like video games are amazing <laughs> and then from there on out straight trajectory into the games industry it was just the water running it down was your just face. The, the drippy walls wow. man so it really was just the drippy walls <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I yeah. thought for a second you were going to say something nice about the Bioshock Ken worked on, but no. Well, nope. well I mean, no. that's all part of the same story. We and then deliberately <laughs> did not. Full circle, we get to Bioshock And, and they, they completely removed drippy walls. Which, you know. <laughs> well, and that was my main beef with that game. Well, and, no drippy walls. Yeah, yeah. We all knew it was a mistake. <laughs> no, but I, I, I actually... One thing we haven't seen yet from this new generation of games is stuff with the ambition of the Bioshock games. Mm-hmm that I think games really need to strive for because, you know, otherwise, you know, I could just play a $5 game on Steam. Why would I buy a full, like, retail title? It's not telling something, at least for me, like, I I play games a lot for the story and stuff. Mm -hmm. If I'm not getting some sort of grand experience, like, I don't know. Yeah, why bother? Why bother? Yeah. Well, and I think that's being kind of reflected in the industry right now, right? Yeah. Like, you're seeing a whole lot of, like, people trying to abandon AAA dev and do something smaller not necessarily because the money is there, but exactly. because they're looking to make those types of games to take those kind of risks. And, you know, it's it's not uh, inexplicable. It's like as budgets go up, risk-taking right. goes down. It's uh, a really interesting and weird time in the industry, it feels like. like it's, it's kind of exciting, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I know there's kind of like a glut of smaller games out there right now, but I couldn't, as a consumer, I couldn't be more happy, right? I'm like, I'll spend totally. $5 to try this yeah, completely exactly. crazy thing I've never yep. seen before. Actually, speaking of that, I need to get in the new the new typing game. What is it? Oh, is there a new one? Mavis Beacon teaches typing. Oh, is there a sequel to that? Yeah. I actually can't tell if you're trolling me. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> this is the thing. If Nick were here, he'd be losing his mind because he loves this. It's like, as far as I understand, it's like a frog fraction sort of deal where it's like it's a typing simulator. Yeah, it's like it's, a typing tutorial. Yeah. And but then totally it, it very like very quickly quickly like after doing like. Um, you know, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy sure, dog. Sure. Like, you have to start typing things that get you more and more uncomfortable, where they start, like, slipping words in that you <laughs> yeah, maybe wouldn't want to type. That's right. Um, so Which, there's, like, oh, like there's a, boss battles, a, too, right, where you have to type what they show you, and if you mess up, you, like, lose hip Yeah, you have to type a phrase in a certain amount of time <laughs> or type a phrase with a, a certain without uh, making a certain number of mistakes. Yep. Wait, so is there, like, a narrative wrapper to this? Is this, like, like speed, except that, like, you have to type over 50 yes, words a minute yeah, and you die? 
That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, how uncomfortable did this game make you? What did they not, ask not you very uncomfortable, but it is like it like it, get, it got a little lewd right at the really? outset, that's which I appreciate. I'm remembering this now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the cool thing. Like, we're getting to this point where like the barriers. Unity is an awesome thing. The barriers to making game, the game maker is cool. They seem to be coming down a bit. Mm-hmm. And the profile of those games are coming up. Like, this past year has been crazy. Like, think of how much um, Sony has put behind indie games. Like, they had them all in their E3 presentation and, like, for the PS4. It's it's really interesting because a lot of these games you otherwise would have probably been on, like, Newgrounds as a Flash game web-based. And then disappeared without a trace, yeah. right? are now, like all over the place and they're getting press and people are actually talking about these games that you, which, know, which they, is they don't have these marketing right? budgets. Yeah, it's awesome. It's well, I'm, I'm excited about the idea of the the consoles being, uh, realizing that that might be part of the ecosystem they need to live. Right. You know, because you've got these tremendous companies taking just unbelievably large bets. They right. need to, you know, somehow cover their basis if, uh, you know, like the, the next Assassin's Creed doesn't sell 30 million whatevers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most interesting part that they're not going to stop making Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Or there's, I mean, there's going to be another Grand Theft Auto. Like you're still oh, going yeah. to have that huge AAA experience. And now we're seeing more and more like super super indie devs, like a lot of Flash based games. Yeah. But like it's totally removed the middle ground entirely, where there's not games with like ten million dollar budgets. Yeah, like you're either a shoestring indie dev making Gone Home, mm-hmm. uh, or you're like making a uh, twenty-five Duty, plus yeah. million dollar triple uh, A console. Experience. Weirdly, it's sort of mirroring uh, the film industry too. Yeah, like independent film has had this huge uh, <clears throat> growth over the last ten years. Where, and it's, I've, I've seen a bunch of directors mention like, if I want to make a movie, I can either ask for like sixty to a hundred million or one million, and you can't like you can't make those middle sized movies yeah. anymore. That happens in almost. Every large industry. I mean, same with uh, Silicon Valley and startups yeah. over there, right? Like nobody funds, you know, ten million dollar ideas. They're looking for like a billion dollar idea, right? Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm, I actually do kind of hope that it follows the trajectory of the film industry in some ways. You know, it's got its own troubled history, mm-hmm. but you know, the idea that eventually the funding for indies would come to exist because most yeah. of those guys are just limited by their self publishing budgets, right? Yep. Like if they could get some sort of fund where there's like a year or two of development costs recouped. I think we could see some really great stuff. Totally. Has anyone talked to the Weinsteins about uh, backing their video games? <laughs> they, should. <laughs> they should do. Yeah, why not? Because, get into it. Yeah, because the video game industry does not have enough screaming. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, neither do I. I don't, I'm just totally off the cuff. Talking politely. It, but, yeah, like I, I can't wait for the video game industry five years from now where like everybody looks and talks like a Hollywood producer. I can't imagine a brighter future. We need to start having GDC in Cannes, France. Okay. Let's do it. No. no. Why not? You love Cannes. I, I, I do. I did a... Uh, Are you uh, worried we're going to ruin it? I did a, <laughs> I did a, a gaming convention in Cannes. It was um, the, the EDEF um, in 2010, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and it's uh, it was essentially like a retailer show mm-hmm. where we brought Rock Band 3 and it's like, hey, dog and pony show, European retailers, buy Yay. our game. Um, and they held it in Cannes because it used to be in, I think, Leipzig, and no one would go to Leipzig, so they moved it to Cannes in August. Okay. Because everyone was like, yes, we will, of course, <laughs> go to your beautiful French Riviera beachfront 
uh, facility for uh, for this week long vacation. You've said nothing that makes yeah, this not a good great. idea yet. Uh, but uh, it was being locked in the convention center for like sixty hours a week, unable to do anything that Ken had to offer. The ocean just out of reach. Uh, right. We were like literally at like a like a, a, a marina for for the super yachts that were right out front. Like there were people on trampolines on their yachts. <laughs> and meanwhile, like I'm trying to hawk the keyboard to oh. to some like Euro businessman who was just like eyes glazed, looking out there. the window, just counting the minutes. And just out, out there, you see the shadow of your childhood just running yeah. into the ocean. Wow, yeah. that's that's video. That's games. Tragic, man. <laughs> yeah, forget it, was, it Jake. It's video games. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh. Well, I I just had a thought that before we finish, you Aaron should probably give a little plug. Uh, we have announced what we're doing at PAX East. Oh yeah, we've announced a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, from the start, uh, Alex Rogopoulos, our esteemed CEO and co-founder. Uh, is doing the keynote speech story time uh, at PAX East with Alex. Very interested to see how that's going to go. Yeah, that should be awesome. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's an honor to be invited for sure. Um, and that will kick off PAX East for us. And there's actually uh, ten different panels featuring Harmonix folks. Good God, uh, which is Do you want any panels, man? It. It'd be news to me. You want to be on one? We're lousy yeah. with them. We got yeah. we got panels coming I'm, out of our I'm ears. I'm kind of like expecting to wander into PAX East and just be like corralled and propped up somewhere on a stage, <laughs> just utterly bewildered. It'll be a, the Truman Show all over again. Oh man! Um, so the community team has our own panels. We have yep. the uh, the podcast. This podcast you're listening to yep. only a better one that we're going to record live wow. at wow, PAX East. A better one. Sorry, wow. Ken. Well, no, that this is brutal. this is how this is how <laughs> Ken learns that he's coming to PAX East uh, to be on our panel. Okay. Follow too. up so in I can person. Drop, yes. Okay. A little um, more oppositional. We can get yeah. a little more angry. Yeah. Okay. We'll have you well, I mean, versus John. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we have that uh, recording the podcast live uh, on Sunday at 10.30, I believe. Mm-hmm. Sunday or Saturday? So we've got two panels. <laughs> one is Saturday morning, one is Sunday morning. I think they're both at 10.30. I don't remember which one is which day. Mm. But thankfully, we wrote all these panels down on the blog at harmonicsmusic.com. Oh, where can I find that online? That was such uh, a Harmonicsmusic.com oh, slash okay. blog. Whoa. Uh, it should be uh, the top most article. Um, and we've got uh, the full rundown of all the shows that we're doing. Um, the one that I am secretly, not secretly, most excited for uh, is uh, an N64 Royal Rumble Ugh. panel. This is amazing. <laughs> Have you that, heard about this yet? Yeah, because... Oh. Wait, is... Cardoza's participating in that one, right? Uh, Cardoza will be helping us in some way, shape, or form, what? most definitely. You, you've um, basically just recreated your... Uh, French Riviera story, but with Cardoza. Right? Like he'll be he'll be watching all of this amazing wrestling happening. It's true, and I and feel just... awful about it. Uh, we'll we will in the very near future. I hope he listens to this. We will in the very near future have a separate um, a separate scratch for Cardoza's wrestling itch. That uh, could not be more uh, suggestive. Uh, you like, just wait and see. Uh, wait and see. Uh, so yeah, so the podcast panel is on uh, Saturday. Okay. So Saturday morning, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Oh, Dragonfly Theater. Having that the one. internet in your hand means never being wrong. We will. Well, we have done more <laughs> podcasts before, and we are always punchy, and our throats it's gonna are be great. scratchy. It's going to be great. We sleepy. Uh, and then the next day over. at 10.30, uh, I believe in the Serpent Theater? No, they have different names this year. <clears throat> the, there are so many. I'm scrolling Pope through. Pope will there scroll through. so many panels. Uh, so, this, uh, so this panel is, will be um, streaming. Uh, 10.30 and the Albatross Albatross. On 
Uh, so what we have done is we've taken the uh, the old N64 uh, four-player THQ wrestling game, uh, and Pope and I will be uh, hosting, quote-unquote, moderating, uh, and we have the invited announcers. 30 of our favorite people uh, in gaming or kind of like in the, the larger PAX community, and they will cycle through um, and play through a Royal Rumble, and as one person is eliminated, another person will hop up uh, and take their spot uh, and battle for glory. We uh, Have we uh, said which game we're doing yet? I am leaning heavily towards WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, that's my vote, too. <laughs> um, and I actually, I have my N64 and several games and controllers in the office right now. We will be hooking uh, that So up. we should book it here in the Star Chamber and play it on that 92-inch yep. screen Absolutely. TV. Uh, we should do that today. We should. Um, we should have been doing it this whole time. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, let's give you a little taste of who will be at this, uh, participating it is, in this. It is a straight-up murderer's row. Uh, I want to say, this, this idea hatched, I want to say, in 2009 we've been talking about doing this. Probably. You, me, Navarro and uh, Navarro. Here. Yeah. So Alex Navarro will be part of this. Uh, Abby Hep from Respawn. She is the, the hero behind Titanfall and uh, also hosting the GDC Awards. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, wow. Mm. Yep. Um Andrea Renee uh, from The Escapist, Bobby Lorcher from Zen Studios, David Lang from Iron Galaxy, Eric Neustadter, that's E from Xbox, Jeff Gersman from Giant Bomb, <laughs> Jeff Green from the AARP. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> um, I guess Drake and Chester are going to be part of this. I guess they have to. They have to be grandfathered in. Um, Pat Bear from the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Phil Tibbs from Young Horses, that's the Octodad guys. Rich Gallup from Disruptor Beam. John Carnage from Twitch. Sean Baptiste, our old friend, and 15 more 15 unannounced more. guests. It's it's shaping up to be a pretty good show. Yep. Are they rolling in with catchphrases of any kind? I hope so. Like, I'm someone really expecting... Did, someone tweeted at me that he's going to bring signs. Yep. Nice. Nice. There's a lot of potential here. I'm very excited about this. A lot of... As as is historically the case, we are working harder on mm-hmm. this panel than most <laughs> yes. of our real content uh, surrounding packs. Yes, we'll we come up with some really stupid idea for each pack, yep. and that becomes a lot of work. Um, Last year, it was uh, pranking the giant bomb. The giant panel. bomb goofs, yeah. We did the game show once, and that was a lot of work. That was a big goof. Uh, man. Yeah, so that's what we do best. Sure. Stupid things that require a lot of work. Uh, but the other more <laughs> professional people at Harmonix are on real panels. So many. Uh, Chris Foster is on an awesome panel. Level up um, your kid. Yeah, about parenting, uh, through, parenting games. through games. Yeah, thank you, Pope. Thank you. That was going to be fantastic. Yep. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, Don, who was on a recent podcast, uh, is going to be on with a few other artists, um, both from Harmonix and other studios. Um, talking game about, art from oh, passion to profession. Oh yeah, that's that's the name of the panel. Yep. Thank you, thank you, Pope. Yep. Anything She'll, else in there? She will be with our fellow harmonics artists, uh, Kristen Pollitt, uh, Sean Witt, Lauren Saint Ange, Brian Evans, and Nate Wright. They're all artists here. Cool. Very cool. Um, I just saw that Nick Chester. Nick Chester is on one is that he did not one. tell us about. Yeah, how um, to pitch a great gaming story. Yeah, and John Drake is going to be on. He's I on think two lunch. different panels. Other what is than he doing? Uh, John Drake, um, he's on the podcast. He's on one about DLC. He's on the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. He's on DLC, and uh, he's on uh, um, the audacity of hype. Yep, the do's, don'ts, and WTFs of modern social media. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a good that was, real. Like yeah, that. Jim Topol's on one. He's our designer, senior designer yeah. on um, Fantasia Music of All. Maddie Studs is on one. <laughs> Just name can, that, can that be his name all Maddie the time? Yeah, Maddie Studs. No. Uh, th- he actually um, 
his name is spelled incorrectly in his panel description. It's, uh, it's Matthew Studovan. Oh, it is. Uh, and so I asked him, like I like gave him a heads up, and, uh, and his immediate response was, can you ask them to fix it? And I said, I don't know why you're asking me. Like, you are on this panel. You have this power. You, like, presumably someone invited you to participate in this panel. Like, ask them. I am not Penny Arcade. Uh, I just pitched the Royal Rumble. I have never met anyone as particular about people mispronouncing their name than him. Really? Yeah, every time I say it, oh, Maddie Studevin. And he says, Studevin. Or the other way around. Whichever one I say is always wrong. <laughs> is, is there some, like, buried childhood yes, trauma in there? there is. There like, clearly is. Yeah. We'll have him on next week to talk about We it. should absolutely <laughs> find that out. Did you know? We should have him on. He grew up with monkeys. What? His family did uh, trained helper monkeys. So, what? Yeah. And he hated them. Like, <laughs> every kid's dream is to grow up with monkeys, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. At, at, least, at least for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And he did, and he hated them. I guess they would take his food, and they would like, st- like poke him and bite him. They, my favorite is that they wanted to watch specific TV shows at specific <laughs> times, and so if they didn't put on, I think it was Wheel of Fortune because they loved <laughs> Vanna White. Oh man! If they didn't put it on, the monkeys would lose their minds. <laughs> Wait, so has has his vengeance been writ large in any way? Like, does he now just, like, fund rainforest yeah, deforestation? he is fiercely anti-monkey. <laughs> All right. It is it is Chewing tough. on monkey burger. <laughs> yep. Yeah, eating monkey brains like yeah. Temple of Doom. <laughs> oh, it's man. inspirational is what it is. I forgot how oh. much I love that story about his monkeys watching yeah. TV. <laughs> we should. We should have him on next week. Toss all this chroma stuff out That's the right. window. <laughs> Our next game, Monkey Brains. Well, uh, unfortunately, we are over time. I'm sorry Ooh. that went long, Ken. You probably have another five-hour meeting to get back why, into. Why? No, let me live here forever <laughs> in this comforting firelight glow. Uh, if you want to uh, hear more from Ken uh, and you're part of our alpha, he's, uh, he's viewing the forums, lurking and reading your thoughts. So yes. uh, let us know what you think. Uh, continue to participate in our alpha if you're in it. If you're not in it, I'm sorry. Uh, but someday we'll, we'll get yeah, to you. Someday, some like that sounded day. super threatening. Yeah. Yep. Someday yeah, we will someday. offer this experience to you. <laughs> There's hardly any malice involved. <laughs> we don't know where you sleep. Uh, big thanks to everybody who's making this a success for us. It's it's uh, been a really awesome experience. It's fun to get to work work with Ken every day. It Yay. is. Um, and, he has to uh, say that. I made him I, say that. I do. Yeah. It's my getting those Carnegie problem. Mellon payoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and we're out of time, so uh, whoa, oh, one oh, more thing. I was going to say, if people want to hear more about our ridiculous PAX plans, yes. or about our panels, yep. or about parties, yes. uh, parties with a, an S, that's plural right. uh, for parties, uh, check out the harmonicsmusic.com slash blog. Uh, we will, by the time this goes live, no doubt have a lot more information up. Cool. Yeah, the panels are up now. Panels are up now. Parties, uh, maybe? A Fantasia uh, party is... Live now, that's on the um, Fantasia Facebook page. There's event info there, and we'll be pushing that through social as we get closer to the show. People should check that out. That game has come quite a long way since the E3 build that they maybe last That is true. It is a gorgeous-looking game. Uh, And we will have more party info very shortly. All right. All right, thanks, guys. Get back to work or play play WrestleMania 2000. Play work. Yes. Play work. All right, bye. Bye. (laughs) 